The Fable of Flora and Adolph and a Home Gone Wrong One morning a modern Solomon, who had been chosen to preside as judge in a divorce mill, climbed to his perch and unbuttoned his vest for the wearisome grind. He noticed that the first case looming up on the docket was that of Flora Botts versus Adolph Botts. The applicant, Mrs. Botts, and Adolph, the other half of the domestic sketch, were already inside the railing, each attempting to look the other out of countenance. "'Break!' ordered the judge. "'Don't act as if you were at home. Now what has Adolph been doing?' It seemed that she alleged cruelty, neglect, inhuman treatment, violent temper, threats, etc., etc. We have no chills and fever music to lend effect to the sad narrative you are about to spring," said the judge, looking down at the plaintiff who belonged to the peroxide tribe. Furthermore, we will take it for granted that when you first met defendant, your innocence and youth made it a walk-away for his soft approaches, and that you had every reason to believe that he was a perfect gentleman. Having disposed of these preliminaries, let us have the plot of the piece. So she told her story in a tremulous Viola Allen kind of voice while her lawyer wept. He was ready to weep for anyone who would hand him eight dollars. Afterthought, make it seven-fifty. It was a dark tale of how Botts, the viperish defendant, had sneered at her, called her, oh, such names, humiliated her in the presence of callers, and nagged her with sarcastic comments until her tender sensibilities had been worn to a frazzle. Then the defendant went on the stand and entered a general denial. He had been all that a rattling good husband could be, but she had been a regular Rudyard Kipling vampire. She had continued to make his life one lingering day after of regret. His record for patience and long-suffering had made Job's performance look like an amateur's half-try. "'There is more in this case than appears on the surface,' said the modern Solomon. In order to fix the blame, we shall have to dig up the first cause. I will ask Chemical Flora to tell us the story of her past life. My parents were poor but refined, said Mrs. Botts. They gave me every advantage. After I finished the high school, I attended a conservatory, and everyone said I had talent. I should have been an elocutionist. Once I went to Rockford and recited the tramp story at a club social, and I got a lovely notice. I am especially good at dialect recitations. Humorous? asked the court. Yes, sir, but I can turn right around and be pathetic all of a sudden if I want to be. I suppose that Botts, after he had lived with you for a while, didn't have any hankering desire to hear you recite, suggested the modern Solomon. That's just it. When I'd offer to get up in company and speak something, he'd ask me please not to recite, and if I had to make a show of myself, for God's sake, not to tackle anything humorous, with a conservatory dialect to it. But you wouldn't let him stop you. Not on your life. I'd believe you, even if you wasn't under oath. Now, will Mr. Botts answer me one question? Has he any ambition on the side? Although I am a bookkeeper for a gravel roofing concern, I have always believed I could write," replied Adolph Botts. About four years ago I began to prepare the book for a comic opera. 
A friend of mine who works in a hat store was to compose the music. I think he has more ability than Victor Herbert. Did this friend think well of your libretto? asked the wise judge. Yes, sir. He said it was the best thing that had been done since Ermine. In, in fact, everybody liked my book. Except your wife, suggested the court. That's it exactly. I wanted sympathy and encouragement, and she gave me the metallic laugh. There is one patter song in my opera that everyone who comes to my house has been crazy to hear. Whenever I started to sing it, she would talk in a loud voice. She never seemed to appreciate my stuff. I think the bleach affected her head. Has the opera been produced? asked the court with humane hesitancy. No, the eastern managers were all tied up with Harry B. Smith, replied Mr. Botts. Then there's a prejudice against western talent. Well, Mr. Botts, in view of all the evidence, I have decided to give you a decree of divorce from flow of the Wheaton tresses, said the modern Solomon. But look here, exclaimed the defendant. I haven't applied for any divorce. You don't have to. I give it to you anyway. As for you, Mrs. Botts, I will give you a decree also. The alimony will be twenty-five dollars per. Thanks. I don't think you grasp the decision. When I say that the alimony is twenty-five dollars per, I mean that Mrs. Botts will be required to pay that amount to Adolph every week. Shameful! Don't be too hasty. I further decree that Mr. Botts must pay the same amount to Flora every week. That simply makes it a standoff, remarked Mr. Botts, who was puzzled. My idea of the case neatly expressed, said the modern Solomon. Each of you is divorced from the other, and if either of you ever marries again, he or she will be jerked before this tribunal and sentenced to ten years of hard labor in some penal institution. Whereupon the court took a noon recess of three and a half hours. Moral. Genius must ever walk alone. End of Part 1 of Fables in Slang by George Ade